John chapter 11 is our text, if you'll be uh, turning there this morning. How many of you have figured out that God has his own timetable and that that doesn't often or sometimes ever coincide with your timetable? Has anybody figured that out yet? Yeah. Um, Jesus seems to, to have his own way and his own timing And I think it's because you and I just see a little bitty small picture. Jesus sees the big picture. Jesus sees it all from the beginning to the end. And you and I just see a very, very small part of things. And sometimes uh, that's very frustrating. That's very frustrating to us. We want to know what is the bigger picture. We want to know how things will unfold. Jesus, um, Jesus lets it unfold in his time, and we would be wise um, to learn from that. You know, rarely in our lives do we look upon suffering, trials, tribulations, Rarely do we look upon them as a friend. We look upon them as something to avoid, something to try to alleviate our lives of, but rarely do we see pain and suffering as a friend that will take us by the hand and lead us closer to Jesus. We're going to look at the uh, 11th chapter of John today at the raising of of Lazarus. Um, There are some things here that blow my mind. There are some things here that I honestly um, struggle with and don't understand because I only see a small picture, but Jesus really sees, sees it all. We're going to have to fly through this this morning. Scarcely will our feet even touch the ground, maybe in in times. We're going to try to walk along uh, this path this morning, and sometimes we may even have to do a little jogging. But uh, start with me here in in verse 1 of chapter 11. This is the word of the Lord. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death, no It is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now it's very interesting to note that each one of them, it doesn't just say that Jesus loved them, but it says Jesus loved Lazarus, and Jesus loved Martha, and Jesus loved Mary. He loved them all individually. Apparently, Jesus 
and this, this threesome here were, were very well acquainted with each other. It, probably Jesus, when he went to Jerusalem to the feast, uh, he would stay at their home. We see this through other texts that he was well acquainted uh, with them. There was a deep relationship. And I love that when Martha sent word to Jesus, she said, the one you love is sick. The one that you love, Jesus, is sick. But notice here in verse 6, it says that when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Does that sound right to you? That when Jesus heard that he was sick, he says, we're just going to stay here for a couple more days. The way that I want to read that is, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he got on a donkey and, and went as fast as he could. He got there as fast as he could to see Lazarus to, so that he could help him, so that he could do something, so that maybe he could help him get well. But Jesus doesn't do that. Even though he loves Lazarus, he delays. He waits. Why would he do that? It, it, doesn't sound, it doesn't sound right to me. He loves them, but he delays. But the text is very plain. It says that he does this for God's glory. He does this for God's glory. You see, they want Jesus. They want Jesus to come and to fix sickness. And while Lazarus was still alive, they could have done that. Maybe they, maybe they could have gone down to Jerusalem to the drugstore and got a prescription and, and brought it back and, and, and maybe Lazarus would get better. You see, they wanted Jesus to fix sickness, but Jesus says, I'm going to wait until it's so bad and I'm going to come in and I'm going to fix death. Say amen when you can. Jesus says, you want me to fix sickness, I'm going to wait, and I'm going to fix death. Let's, let's read on. Verse 7, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going to go back there? Not long before this, they had they had tried to stone Jesus. If you read uh, in the chapter before, a little time has passed, but, but they're saying to themselves, wait a minute, Jesus, you want to kind of rethink this. I know Lazarus is sick, but they tried to kill you, and you're going to go back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by the day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. And after he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought, he meant natural sleep. So Jesus tells them that Lazarus is asleep and I'm going to go wake him up. And they're like, well, if he's asleep, then he'll get better. 
right? Um, maybe they said that because they were maybe a little bit frightened to go back to Judea because they had tried to kill Jesus, and we're followers and disciples of Jesus. If we go back there with you, guess what? Our lives will be in peril as well. So if Lazarus is asleep, he, he'll get better. But it seems kind of odd that they would say that when Jesus said, I'm going to go there to wake him up. If he's just asleep, then why would Jesus need to go there to wake him up? Sometimes the uh, disciples are a little slow in the, in the mind. So, verse 14, he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. What? Does that sound right? I'm glad I wasn't there to do anything about it at the time. Why? So that you may believe. We see this all throughout John's gospel. Time and time again, when, when he performed a miracle, John records that these, these things Jesus did and these things are written down so that you might believe. Jesus wasn't sent to the earth just to go around healing people. You understand that, right? Jesus did not come just to heal all the blind people and all the crippled people and all the folks with leprosy and occasionally maybe raise some folks from the dead. That's not why Jesus came. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke 19.10. That's why Jesus came. But out of compassion, out of love for those who were hurting, those who were blind and lame and crippled, but also that they might believe. That's why Jesus healed. That's why Jesus went around doing good, so that they might believe that he was from God. Jesus said, let us go to him. Then Thomas, I love this, then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go so that we might die with him. When you think about Thomas in the Bible, what, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Doubting Thomas, right? He was the disciple who wasn't there in the upper room when Jesus had been resurrected and he came and he appeared. And uh, they're all like, we've seen Jesus. And he's like, I won't believe that unless I see with my own eyes, unless I can put my hands where uh, the nails pierced and in his side. You remember that? And so because of that, Thomas gets this, this uh, label, Doubting Thomas. But right here, we see where he was loyal, Thomas. He was unflinchingly loyal. Jesus had been... Um, they had been fearful of, of his own life because they tried to stone him in Judea. And he says, I'm going to go right back there. And they're like, man, maybe you don't want to do that. But he says, we're going to go. We're going to go see Lazarus, going to wake him up. He's dead. And Thomas says, let's go with him that we may die with him. That sounds a little bit different than doubting Thomas, doesn't it? I love that. On his arrival... Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. This is so very critical. 
This is so important. There was a belief among the Jews that the spirit of a man, when he died, would, would hover around the body for up to three days. I, I'm not sure where that came from, um, where that belief had started, probably maybe in the Greco-Roman world. But there was this idea that when a man or a woman died, that their spirit would leave the body, but it, but it would hang around for up to three days so that possibly it might re-enter the body and they would be revived. But after three days, that spirit would depart. That spirit would, would leave and would be gone forever. So that's very important when John writes in the text that Lazarus had been already in the tomb for four days. Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Martha was looking for his, for his appearance. She had sent for him, the one that you love is sick. And so when she hears that he's coming, she runs out twofold, I think, because one, she, she wants to see him. She's sent for him, but also because maybe she wants to, to meet him outside of the city because of the trouble that Jesus had had there previously. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How does that strike you when you hear that? Lord, if you had been here, there seems to be maybe some resentment on Martha's part. Lord, if you, I, I, I've seen you open the eyes of the blind. I've seen crippled people stand up and walk. I may have even seen a man with leprosy healed and his skin was just like a, a newborn baby's skin. I know you have power. I've seen your hand at work. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever wanted to say to Jesus, Lord, why? Why have you let this happen? Why did you let my loved one get sick? Why did you let them die? If only you had been here. That's pretty real, isn't it? That's pretty raw. Lord, if you had been here. And you know what? Jesus has got broad enough shoulders to hear you say that to him. Lord, if you had only been here. But notice what else she says. But I know that even now, <laughs> I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. I'm not so sure that Martha is saying to Jesus, 
that even now, even though he's already dead, even though he's already been dead for four days, even now I know that God will give you what you ask and that you can raise him from the dead. I, I don't really even think that that's entered into her mind. What I think she's saying, I could be wrong, but what I think she's saying is that, Lord, it, 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 really, it really hurts me it bothers me when I think about if you had only been here, you could have done something. But even now, even though you weren't here, even though you didn't raise him from the dead, even now, I'm going to trust you. I know that God will do whatever you ask. I'm so reminded of the, the three Hebrew children. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember the story? They're supposed to bow down to, to the king and to his idol. They're supposed to pray only to him. They don't do it. They're not going to do it. They're, they're nabbed up, and they are being ready to be thrown into the fiery furnace. You remember the story? They're getting ready to be thrown into the fiery furnace. I love it. They, they stoke the flames so hot that it kills the, the soldiers that are, that are going to throw them into the fire. It's so hot that, that it kills the soldiers. What they said was, our God can save us from this. Our God can spare us, spare our, our very lives this very day. Our God has the power to do that. But even if he doesn't, are you with me? Even if he doesn't, we're not going to forsake him. We're not going to bow down before this idol. We're not going to pray to the king. We will only pray to the king of kings. Our God is able to save us, but even if he doesn't. So part of me loves to think that when Martha says this to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, you could have done something. But even now, even now, I trust that whatever you ask of God, he would do. I think, she's, I think she's showing faith, even in the midst of her disappointment. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Your brother's going to rise again, Jesus says. And she says, oh, I know that. I get it. There's going to be an end-time resurrection when you come back and you return and, and all of this life is over. I get it. And I guess there should be some consolation in that. But right now, it just really hurts. It just hurts. I don't know how well-formed her, her theology was on the end-time resurrection, but she knew that there was going to be a resurrection of all people. Your brother will rise again. And she said, I know, I know. At the end time, he'll, he'll be raised again. What does Jesus say to her? I am the resurrection I don't just resurrect people. I am resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. 
He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Hasn't Lazarus just died? Hasn't Lazarus been dead in the tomb for four days? What is this man talking about? He who believes in me will never die. And yet her brother's dead. He's been in the tomb four days. Do you believe this, Jesus asked her? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. So oftentimes, you and I, when we read the Scripture like that, we read back into it things that we know and understand. But when Martha says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is to come into the world, I don't for a moment think that she truly understood that he was God come down in the flesh. She's probably still thinking, as many in her day and time did, that Jesus was going to be an earthly king. He was going to be like King David, a great and powerful king that would restore Israel to her prominence, to kick off this yoke that the Romans had placed around their neck and restore them to national prominence. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God who was to come into the world. She believes that. That's what she believes with all of her heart. After she said this, she went back and she called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and she went to him where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? She echoes the same words that her sister Martha had said, Lord, if you had been here. Don't you think that they had spoken to one another when Lazarus was sick, possibly right after he died, they looked at each other in the, in the eyes and said, if only Jesus had been here. Why did he not come sooner? We sent for him. Why did he not show up? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Why would Jesus be so deeply troubled and moved in his spirit? Why would Jesus be moved to the point where he weeps along with them? Don't, don't you know he's going to raise Lazarus just in a few moments? He's going to raise Lazarus. It would have been very easy to say, hey, guys, look, listen. 
Don't worry about it. I've got this. Wipe the tears away from your eyes. I'm going to make all of this go away. Cheer up. Don't be sad. That's what I would want to do. I want to alleviate their suffering. But Jesus enters into that suffering. Jesus sees them weeping, and he weeps with them. Shortest verse in the Bible. Everybody knows. What's the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. But Jesus wept because he was deeply moved. You know, I, I could have been, and I, you guys don't know me all that well yet, but you're getting to know me. I could have been a professional mourner. I, I, I'm, I kid you not, I could have made a little money on the side being a professional mourner. When I see people, when I see people hurting, when I see people in pain, I, I'm so easily moved by that. I mean, I, I can cry looking at people that I've never met, that I don't know from Adam, and I, can, and I can cry with them when I see their pain. I have occasionally cried while watching TV. A show that's not even real because I'm so easily moved. I think I've told you before, I came in one time and my mom was crying she was watching TV, and there was a commercial, an AT&T commercial. The guy calls, mom answers. Back before, you know, cell phones and all that, there was a landline. You guys remember that? Landline. Mom answers the phone, and the dad's sitting there, and she, he's like, he doesn't know what's going on. And, and she's like, yes, yes, yes. No. And so she starts crying, and she, he says, why are you crying? And, and the mom says, because he said, mom, I love you. It was like a Mother's Day, you know, thing. And my mom was just sitting there weeping at an AT&T commercial. And I came in and I saw her crying and I started to cry a little bit. Myself. <laughs> what is it? Jesus saw them weeping. The, the people, so many people had come from Jerusalem to mourn with them. There, there's something to be said for when you're, when you're, when you're weeping and when you're hurting, that, that you would have enough friends to gather around you and that would just cry with you. That's important. We ought to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. Jesus enters into their pain, even though he knows what's going to happen. He weeps along with them. And then the Jews said, see, see how he loved him. Oh, there must have been a close relationship between Jesus and Lazarus and his sisters. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? We too have seen him, seen him heal people. We've seen him open the eyes of a blind man. If he could have done that, could he not have done something for Lazarus? to keep him from dying. Again, Jesus, Jesus delays from coming on purpose so that Lazarus would be dead, and not just dead, but he would be really, really dead. Four days in the tomb. 
No mistaking this. Oh, he didn't just resuscitate him. He hadn't just, you know, fainted, and now he's been revived. No, he's been dead for four days. He's really dead. And Jesus waits on purpose. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Does that ring a bell with anybody? Does that sound familiar to anybody? Uh, um, a cave, a burial spot with a stone rolled in front of it? Take away the stone, he said. Take away the stone. Do you think Jesus needed their help to remove the stone? I mean, this, it could have been a, a pretty big, heavy stone, right? Maybe, maybe it was more than one man could move by himself. That's not why Jesus told them to take away the stone. I don't believe. Who was it that created the stone? Can, can you say Jesus? When in doubt, just say Jesus. You'll be right 90% of the time. If I read my Bible correctly, in the very beginning... God created the heavens and the earth and everything that, that we see around us. John tells us that in the beginning, God uh, uh, was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That Word is Jesus. Paul said that there was nothing that was created that was not created by him and for him. So Jesus doesn't need help removing the stone away from, from the tomb. Jesus asks them to partner with him, okay? Now, this, this is a whole other sermon, I guess, we could spend our time on. But listen to me, church. Jesus calls them to do what they could do so that he could show up and do what only he can do. That was, that was kind of weak. Maybe I wasn't as excited as I should have been when I said that. Because it didn't elicit the kind of response that I thought I might get from you. Jesus asked them to remove the stone and do what they could do so that he could show up and do only what God could do. Thank you, brother. You see, I don't know why God desires this. I don't know why God wants us to partner with him. But that's what he's chosen to do, even in our own lives today. God is calling us to do what we can do so that he can show up and do what only he does. He's called us to go and tell people about the good news about Jesus Christ, that he died that he was buried, that on the third day he was raised again, and that if they'll believe in him and trust in him, that they could have eternal life. He's calling us to do that so that he can show up and give eternal life to those who would believe in him. You and I can't do that. You and I have no power to save anybody, but we have the power to tell, and that's what he's calling us to do. Jesus called them to take the stone away to partner with him in the work that he was getting ready to do. 
But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. The King James says, by now he stinketh. He stinketh. Lord, you don't want to do that. You don't want to go in there. It doesn't smell good. He's been dead for four days. Lazarus is not just dead, guys. He's really, really, really dead. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Didn't I tell you? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. This is past tense. Are you with me? He, he's thanking, he says, I, I thank you that you've already heard me. I knew, past tense, that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may, what? Believe that you sent me. Jesus is not doing this for his own glory. He's doing this so that they would believe that he was sent from God and so that God would be glorified. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. My old preaching buddy used to love saying, Jesus said Lazarus, he called him by name because if he had just said come out, every grave would have opened and all the dead people would have got up and come out. No, Jesus, that wasn't what this was all about. Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And you know what I want you to hear this morning? Jesus knows your name. Jesus knows you by name. Doesn't everybody want to hear their own name called? You know, it's a beautiful thing in the church. We, we can call each other brother and sister. And sometimes, I'm going to admit to you, I forget some names. And some of you I've not maybe interacted with a whole lot since I've been here. And I maybe I haven't really even yet learned your name to attach it to that face. So we say, hey, brother, hey, sister, how you doing? But everybody loves to hear their name called, don't they? I want you to know this morning that Jesus knows your name, and he loves you. Jesus loved Lazarus, and he said, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. That had to be a trip. I mean, that had to be some kind of sight to behold. This guy's been dead for four days Jesus calls his name, and he gets up, and he walks out of, that, out of that cave, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Look at verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. Jesus loved Lazarus, and he loved Mary and Martha. But he didn't just come and do this so that he could alleviate the pain of, of some of his friends. He did this so that God could be glorified. And he did this on purpose 
so that people might believe. And that's exactly what happened. Had Jesus come and healed Lazarus while he was still sick, everybody could have gone home and said, well, you know, that was good. Um, Lazarus was sick. Jesus maybe mixed up some herbs, got some, some natural holistic remedies, and, and here he is. He's back on his feet and good as new, and, and everybody's back about their business. Jesus let it get so bad. He let Lazarus not only die but be dead for four days so that nobody, nobody could say anything except to God be the glory. And because of that, many Jews put their faith. Many Jews believed. We skipped a little, a little verse, a little, a little portion of this, back in verse 44. Lazarus came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen, a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. When a man or a woman puts their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ, when they say, I, I, I believe that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, there is no other king but you, there is no other God but you, and they, and they believe that with all of their hearts. When they decide because of that faith, to be obedient and to be buried with Jesus Christ in baptism, to have all their sins washed away, to be forgiven. God adds them to the church. When they come up out of the water, the Bible says that you have been resurrected with Jesus Christ. You were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of God the Father, that you too may live a new life. You have been resurrected. And listen to me, as resurrected people, it's time that we take off the grave clothes. Did, did you hear me? Too many of us have made a profession with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, but we're still living with our grave clothes. We're still wrapped in the things of the world. There's still the stench of death on us because we're putting our hope in money or in politicians or in some other thing that has no eternal value. It's temporary. The things that we spend all of our time on, all of our energies, all of our money, every little brain cell that we have, all of this stuff is fading, it's passing away. Jesus said to Lazarus when he came out of the tomb, take off the grave clothes so that he can be free. As resurrected people, we have been set free never to enter that life again. And I think too many of us are still bound. We, we, we don't like to admit it, but we're still bound by our grave clothes. It's time to take them off. It's time to shed them, leave them behind us, and to follow in that new path of righteousness. Man, everybody here needs Jesus today. I, I'm not going to ask the question, is there anybody here that needs Jesus? Everybody here needs Jesus. I know that. But what I want you to know is Jesus knows your name, he loves you, and he's ready to raise you from the dead, from that old way of life, from the sin, the chains that maybe used to snare you and shackle you and chain you down. He's ready to, to loosen all of that if you'll just believe, if you'll just trust him. 
If you'll just put your faith in him, he'll raise you up to walk in newness of life, and he will give you life eternal. Not just in heaven, but it starts right now. You need to respond. The question is, will you respond to Jesus this morning?